gentlemen, start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. It is fantastic to be here. And uh, I have to apologize because I've been missing a lot lately. And if you follow me on Facebook, uh, you kind of know the reasons why. Some personal things going on, but uh, I think most of that is behind me now and uh, looking forward to the future and being here with you every week live on Sunday night. So this is going to be a huge week because I'm going to be on uh, with George Norrie on Wednesday night. Uh, so if you're watching on a replay, that is the 22nd of September, I will be on uh, with George Norrie and uh, my time slot is from three to five uh, Eastern. So it's going to be in the middle of the night <laughs> on Wednesday night. So I'm looking forward to uh, to doing that show. It's always kind of a little bit strange being up in the middle of the night and being on the radio. But uh, the audience uh, estimate for that show is something around uh, two million people. So a lot of opportunity there for me to uh, to share and reach just a tremendous tremendous audience. I know that many of you that are here that watch the show each week that listen to the podcast that you are here uh, because of knowing about me through Coast to Coast AM. So uh, looking forward to that uh, tonight. Uh, just a lot of news to get into. We are going to start rebooking guests here soon. Um, that is something that will be coming in a few weeks. So stand by for that. I've been following the news here uh, this uh, this tropical storm Fiona, which I think is now officially a hurricane. Uh, it looks like the track is going to bring it uh, east of the uh, the United States. So so it's it's going through Puerto Rico and and the Caribbean, and then it looks like the spaghetti models show it and going back out to sea. Now the only problem with that is um, I believe there was at least one major hurricane that just did a complete circle and came back and did hit the United States, and that could be really uh, tremendous. <laughs> tremendous problem if it's out there strengthening for days and days and days and then circles back around and comes back to the u.s but uh i'm following these storms a lot more closely uh now that i'm back in the mortgage business because when you have a a closing scheduled you have to get the insurance the homeowner's insurance has to be bound before the storm uh, comes into proximity to the state of Florida. Otherwise, the homeowner's insurance company won't bind the policy, and then you have to delay your closing. And it's not just delaying your closing until after the storm passes. If the storm goes through the area where the home is that the client is buying, they might have to wait for an inspector to come out and inspect the property to make sure that there was no damage to that particular property uh, before that they would be willing to bind the policy. So it could delay a closing for several days, maybe even weeks. 
So a lot happening in the news this week. One of the big stories that everybody is talking about is the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, was apparently at a Hardee's restaurant in the drive-thru and was surrounded by FBI agents who took his cell phone. And uh, this is apparently all a part of this investigation. And we don't know exactly what they're investigating. It sounds like it's all part of the January 6th uh, investigation that they went to Mar-a-Lago and they raided Trump's home. Um, they they took Mike Lindell's phone. Um, there, there's been, I, I believe it, the story was this last week, 30 subpoenas issued to uh, Trump's inner circle. So something is happening. The, the sharks are circling and uh, the buzz is that they're going to try and indict Trump before the presidential election season starts. So uh, we're we're roughly getting close to that two year mark. A lot of people will announce, you know, by the end of the year, you know, in this cycle. So after the midterms are over, you would see the presidential uh, contenders announcing uh, Trump is rumored to be planning to announce early. Uh, you know, I'm not sure who else is going to be running on the you know Republican side. There's a lot of to indict Trump and or some of his inner circle. Uh, before the next presidential cycle. Uh, okay, so if you follow me on YouTube, you know I've been on YouTube forever. I mean, I've been on YouTube for, I mean, I was there really in the beginning, and I have, you know, millions of views of my YouTube videos, but YouTube has been going through my videos strategically and deleting videos. Now, I'm not talking about recent videos. I'm talking about that YouTube is going back like, in some cases years and they're taking videos down of mine and uh, it makes no sense to me, but somehow I am now on their radar. I believe I have two strikes, but somehow I don't have a third strike, even though they keep taking additional videos down. Uh, I may be banned from YouTube soon. Not that I'm trying, I'm not trying to do anything that would cause any problems on YouTube, but it just appears that they have me in their sites because I'm a conservative and I'm a Christian, no doubt. And they are going through my videos and taking down even some of the older videos uh, for quote unquote misinformation in some cases, uh, false medical information in other cases. It's the whole thing is just crazy. I'm definitely being being targeted by YouTube, which is a good thing that now for about two years, I've been putting everything up on Rumble. So if somehow I do disappear on YouTube and that's where you watch me, look for me over on Rumble. I do have a channel over at Rumble. I'm James L. Paris over there. Well, I had a great day yesterday with my sister, uh, Rebecca Roberts, and she is also uh, a loan officer. She's gotten back into the mortgage industry. And I want to just tell people a little bit about this because I don't think I really mentioned this uh, too much on the show yet. That between it was like the year 2001, I believe, and the year 2009 that I had uh, been in the mortgage industry and my sister had a big mortgage company over in Orlando and I got started uh, in the industry with her. And then I started my own mortgage company and real estate company uh, in Daytona Beach uh, with my good friend Bob Yetman. So to make a long story short, my sister and I both got out of the industry about the same time when the real estate market had collapsed around 2009. And so I just got back into the mortgage industry, got my license back about three and a half months ago. And my sister 
Uh, she just got her license back and she started back a couple weeks ago. So we got together just to do some, you know, a little bit of training and discussion and kind of bringing her up to speed on all the new software and the changes to the industry. So we met up uh, yesterday at a Starbucks over in Orlando, and then we went and had lunch at the uh, Texas Roadhouse Grill, which I have to say is a wonderful place. Uh, the food was just tremendous. I have not had a New York strip steak at a restaurant in as long as I can remember. I mean, it has been a really long time. And man, was that good. And I got the mushrooms and I got uh, something I don't normally do. I got mashed potatoes, which I love mashed potatoes. I didn't even know they had mashed potatoes, but we had a great lunch and talking about the mortgage industry. And uh, I'm doing residential and commercial lending and investment lending. Uh, my sister's probably going to be doing mostly residential. Uh, but if you are in Florida, I can help you with mortgage financing. You can reach out to me through Facebook or send me an email, uh, jim at christianmoney.com. And if you're in one of the other states, I can refer you to one of my associates that is licensed in one of the other states. But super excited uh, to be back in the mortgage industry. Uh, this article at Gateway Pundit caught my attention. Uh, one of the reasons was because... Obviously, this whole um, idea of of beefing up the number of IRS agents, I think the figure is 86,000 new IRS agents are being hired uh, with this new law that they just passed. And so this was in Gateway Pundit. Americans spend more on taxes last year than food, health care, education and clothing combined, combined. Just unbelievable. And bringing on 86,000 new IRS agents to enforce uh, the tax law. And of course, we're not suggesting anybody try to uh, not legally pay their taxes. But man, I always think when I see something like this, I think this is why <laughs> this is why we left England. Right. And we formed our own nation because of this type of tyranny. And as it is in some parts of the country, like if you live in New York City, a lot of people there pay more than half of their money in taxes. I mean, at what point does that become tyranny when you're giving more than half of what you make to, you know, the state, city and, and federal government? Uh, and we're really I mean, we're kind of at that tipping point. Uh, but it is crazy uh, to see this ramp up of all these new IRS agents and with what's happening in the economy and so many people are struggling, the idea of doubling down on audits and, and all of that just seems totally inappropriate and totally, uh, totally tone deaf to uh, what is happening and what people are struggling with. So Ron DeSantis, um, who is starting to uh, really kind of push the boundaries <laughs> of political correctness, uh, much, much in the footprints of Donald Trump. Uh, Ron DeSantis uh, made a lot of news this week because he put on an airplane more than 50 illegal immigrants and flew them to Martha's Vineyard, which if you're not familiar with Martha's Vineyard, it is an island, a small island off the coast of Massachusetts. And Obama has a home there. The Clintons are there all the time. It's sort of, you know, the uh, the playground for the rich. And they sent the they sent this a uh, plane full of illegals, I believe it was 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard and uh, caused a huge stir. And the point that he's trying to make, it's you know clearly a political protest, basically saying, uh, look, it's not OK for Texas 
to have to deal with all of this illegal immigration. And then a lot of these immigrants are put on buses and they're brought to, you know, red states like Florida. So it was interesting what uh, DeSantis did and uh, got a lot of controversy uh, <laughs> started this week because of the illegal immigrants sent to Martha's Vineyard. And then they were immediately after a day or so taken um, to, I believe it was Boston uh, to, um, you know, be, be taken care of. And, you know, in one sense, it grieves my heart a little bit because these are human beings and you don't want to see them used as human pawns in this whole political battle. But on the other end of the spectrum, you kind of get it where these red state governors mayors of these cities and red states are just fed up. They're, they're sick of it. And this is not inexpensive when you have someone, uh, you know, transported into your city that has nothing and they need to be provided for, which is why we go back to the basic premise that we should have immigration that's legal. We should have some, you know, reasonable reforms made to our immigration laws so that it is more uh, reasonable for people to be able to become legal. Uh, and we should have a certain amount of, of immigration every year. And it should be, you know, based on merit and, and also based on need, not just whoever is clever enough to get through illegally. And for those people that have taken the, the, the time and the money to go through the legal process to become U.S. citizens and to become legal to be here with their, their work visas and green cards, it really is an insult to them. But there does need to be reform with immigration uh, law, no doubt about it. Uh, but at the same time, that would include putting some kind of reasonable limits and some kind of system in place, because these are human beings. They deserve to be treated well. But at the same time, we can only handle so many. And there is a cost uh, for every man, woman and child that comes across that has to be taken care of. So this has just got to be part of. Uh, of our overall budget, part of our overall plan, how we deal uh, with immigration. And and I'm all for reform and making it easier. And I have friends that have spent 10 years and thousands of dollars uh, and are still fighting uh, to get their legal status and their citizenship. And it's just an insult to those people uh, that have put in that much time and effort uh, to have others coming across illegally. So speaking of this whole battle and DeSantis, uh, there's sort of a war of words going on between uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, and our governor here in Florida, Ron DeSantis. And so Newsom has challenged our governor uh, DeSantis to a debate. And I think this would be fascinating. Um, it would probably, however, just be to Newsom's advantage. It would raise his stock because not a lot of people know who Newsom is outside of California. And I think Ron DeSantis has a much... Uh, larger public profile and more well-known name than Gavin Newsom. And I think it would be to Newsom's benefit to be on the same stage with DeSantis. But some people are saying this could be a little bit of a preview, a little bit of a precursor to 2024. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of buzz about DeSantis that maybe DeSantis could be a better option than Trump because he doesn't have sort of as abrasive of a personality as Trump. And maybe he would be a more palatable option uh, than Trump uh, in 2024. But we will have to see. OK, so now that I'm back in the mortgage industry, working as a, a loan officer, one of the things that I am really, really excited about is FHA loans that are ninety six and a half percent. So you only have to have three and a half percent down. 
But there's this whole new world of what we call DPA, down payment assistance, DPA. So these DPA programs will cover between 2% and 3.5%, which could effectively make your FHA loan a zero down deal. And there are so many of these programs. Uh, I am aware of a fantastic national program for zero down and you can email me and I'll be happy to get you that information. But one thing you could do is just in your own city or county, you could type in down payment assistance and Chicago or down payment assistance, Cook County or down payment assistance, Los Angeles or Los Angeles County, wherever you happen to live, use your city, uh, use your county and also use your state. And there's so many different programs. Some of these are targeted towards people that have uh, certain income levels. Others are targeted towards first responders. Others are targeted towards teachers. Some of these are available to anybody who's a volunteer, any kind of volunteer. There's so many of these different programs that almost everybody can find a down payment assistance program uh, to be able to get into a home for literally zero down. And with FHA mortgages, you can build in up to 6% of the mortgage as closing costs, which would make it a completely zero down deal because your closing costs would be wrapped in. Your down payment is covered with your DPA, your down payment assistance covers your down payment. So these are fantastic. And uh, I've been doing some videos on these lately. What I've been doing is pretty much every morning I get up, I go on a bike ride most mornings, and then when I get uh, about to the halfway point on my bike ride, I typically stop at Starbucks, and I'll get a little bit of coffee, take a break, visit with some of my friends, and then I'll make a little video on some topic related uh, to personal finance or the mortgage industry. Been doing a lot of them lately about mortgages, and uh, been doing many videos lately about DPA, down payment assistance programs. So if you're somebody that is looking to get into a home and you don't have the down payment, this could really be an outstanding option for you is to get an FHA loan and to get down payment assistance. There's so many programs, first time home buyer program, teacher, first responder, if you're any kind of volunteer, if your income is a certain level or less, there's so many different ways of being able to get a down payment assistance grant that would cover your down payment. So feel free to get in touch with me, uh, Jim at christianmoney.com, or you can get in touch with me uh, through private messages on Facebook. I also did a big video and I'm going to be on a radio interview on Tuesday morning. I think it's going to be around 8 a.m. on the Moody radio station in Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm going to be there talking about this student loan forgiveness. And I wanted to take a few minutes on the show tonight to make sure everybody understands how to get the student loan forgiveness. Just have to stop there for a second and take a sip of water. So I don't want to spend any time <laughs> debating whether we should even have student loan forgiveness, because when I... I've tried to put this information out on my Facebook page and it turns into this big argument, this big debate over whether or not we should even have the student loan forgiveness, which I'm not going to get into that uh, on the program tonight. I'm just going to address how to get the student loan forgiveness. So here's the deal. If you're a single uh, person uh, filing a single tax return, you can make up to $125,000 a year 
and then you can get $10,000 of your student loans forgiven. If you are a married taxpayer filing a joint tax return, you can make up to 250,000 and still get that $10,000 um, forgiven. So that could be $10,000 for each spouse in the marriage can get the $10,000. Now here's what's interesting. If while you were in college, you got a Pell grant. So a Pell grant is needs based. So if you got a Pell grant, that was because uh, you met certain income thresholds. You met certain benchmarks for need. So they're using this as the filter. If when you were at college at any time in college, you got a Pell grant, then that doubles your student loan forgiveness. So if you qualify for the 10,000, then you'll automatically get the additional 10,000. So you'll get 20,000 of student loan debt forgiveness if you got a Pell Grant and you are within these income guidelines. So it is what it is. You may not agree with it. <laughs> you may not think that Biden should have done this. Uh, some people are really upset about it because they didn't go to college because they didn't want to run up any debt or they had a loan and they paid it off. So there's a lot of people upset about this and people that are just downright uh, conservative financially. They don't want the government, you know, spending too much money and this is going to cost a lot of money. I don't even know if there's a price tag on it yet. It could be a trillion dollars uh, to forgive all this debt. Uh, we'll have to see what that number is, uh, but it's going to be significant. It's going to be at least in the hundreds of billions of dollars, but there is the 411. And so what the next step on it is, if you uh, are within these guidelines uh, in about three or four weeks. So that would put us to the middle of October. There will be a, uh, some paperwork you'll have to fill out online at the U S department of education to get your loans forgiven. So it's not going to be an automatic thing. You're going to have to actually do a little bit of paperwork. That paperwork is not officially available yet, but it will be available by mid October. And if you are making student loan payments right now, student loans are still in deferment. So you you don't have to make a payment right now. The payments will resume in January. So towards the third week of January, payments will resume. They're telling us that once you put the paperwork in mid-October, it'll take about six weeks to go through. So if you want to avoid having to make that payment in January, then be sure to get to the U.S. Department of Education portal by mid-October when those forms become available to go ahead and officially apply for your student loan forgiveness. This from Breitbart, Disney World visitors are upset and are complaining that the resort has deteriorated. Uh, what they're saying is the rides are old, the rides are breaking down, and let's be honest, you know, Disney's getting to be an old amusement park. I was a little kid and I was one of the first people to go to Walt Disney World, uh, the Magic Kingdom. And I believe it was 1971, the first year that it opened. My family was down here from Chicago on a driving vacation and I went and many of those same rides are still there at the Magic Kingdom. Uh, but it's getting old and people are upset about it. And why are they upset? Because they're spending so much money. They continue to raise prices uh, to stay at one of those hotels. Some of those hotels are now like $400, $500 a night. And the place is just aging. It's getting old. 
and people are not happy about it. That coming in from Breitbart. And I have not been to Disney in, in years, and it's largely because it's costly. I don't enjoy big crowds. I don't like standing in lines. Uh, I, I've been there so many times when my kids were growing up and living here in Central Florida for most of the last uh, 30 years. It's just something I've done, been there, done that, <laughs> been there, been there, been there, been there and done that. And just, uh, it, I, I know it's, it's a wonderful experience, especially for little kids, but, uh, man, oh man, I, I don't even know what it would cost for a family of four or five to spend a week at Disney with all the tickets and the hotel and the food and the airfare and everything else. I mean, you'd have to remortgage the house. And, uh, if you're going to spend that kind of money, you do expect a five-star experience and people are saying they're not getting that this in from hot air and this does not surprise me at all but it is worth mentioning that facebook is reportedly sharing private im conversations with the fbi as leads and i kind of have mixed feelings about this because obviously if somebody is planning a terrorist attack or some kind of a crime and somehow one of these tech companies can alert the authorities I would like for them to do that. Um, but at the same time, it raises a question about, can we trust them that they're not using that information for nefarious purposes? Uh, and, and you just, you, it's tough anymore because privacy, we seem to have given up our privacy as the internet expands. And, uh, it made me think twice because I do have a lot of, I guess I would say, uh, conversations that I would love to hope are private with people on Facebook. Um, nothing that if it became public, I would be embarrassed about per se, but just private things about my life that I have shared with family members over Facebook through the messenger app and things that I would not want strangers to be reading. But it does kind of remind you, doesn't it, that when you're using the Facebook Messenger app that, I mean, who knows who's looking at that? And these tech companies supposedly have all these security measures and so forth, but they have employees. And, uh, you know, who knows what is happening behind the scenes and if your most private information isn't being uh, read by total strangers and your privacy is being violated. Uh, it is a tough balancing act. I always say if you're going to err, err on the side of privacy. Uh, but this is just an interesting story uh, this week on hot air. Reverse mortgages. You know, now that I'm back in the mortgage industry working as a loan officer, uh, reverse mortgages are really hot again. And why is this? Because the graying of America, people are, you know, on average, our population is is aging. Home values have skyrocketed and uh, at age 62, you can basically get rid of your mortgage payment and uh, live the, live out the rest of your life without a mortgage payment. Uh, if your house is about 50% paid off, you can just get rid of your mortgage payment for life by doing a reverse mortgage. If your house is totally paid off, you can end up uh, you know, getting an income for life and, and getting rid of your mortgage payment. Uh, so reverse mortgages are becoming very popular. I did a video on this um, about, I don't know, maybe three months ago, telling the story about how I had my mother get a reverse mortgage about 17 years ago, and my father passed away 11 years ago, 
And without having done that reverse mortgage 17 years ago, my mom would not be able to stay in the house that she's still living in at the age of 79. Uh, so it is an interesting strategy. As I say in my video on Facebook, it's not for everyone. Uh, but it is a legit strategy and there's a lot of misunderstandings about it. A lot of people think, well, the bank's trying to steal your house. It is very regulated it is probably the most regulated type of mortgage in the mortgage industry are reverse mortgages. You even have to go through like a one hour counseling session to make sure that you understand it. So there's like a government required counseling session with a HUD approved counselor. So there's all these safeguards in place to protect you as a consumer. But if you are age 62 or older, this could be a strategy for you. And uh, that's something that, uh, you know, I could certainly help you with if you're in Florida or I can refer you to someone if you're in one of the other states. Um, if you want more information on it, I can send you some information on it as well. Uh, and send you a link to the article that I wrote about my mother and her experience and why we did the reverse mortgage and how much it helped her. Uh, but I've been excited about it lately because I have helped a number of people uh, recently uh, to get more information about it. And and some of those people said, hey, this isn't for me now that I know what it is. And that's OK. You know, it's all about you know getting people that information. And then others said, yeah, this is something I want to do and, and move forward with it. So for the right person in the right situation, a reverse mortgage could be an excellent option. Again, reach out to me if that's something that you have a question on. A couple of last stories before we run out of time for this episode. A temporary deal this week prevents uh, it averts a railroad strike. And so this was going to be a, a big deal. So Amtrak had canceled a bunch of long distance trips uh, in anticipation strike that could have taken place uh, the middle of this past week. But there's a temporary deal reached to avoid the strike. And this would have literally crippled the economy because remember, we're already still dealing with supply chain issues from what happened with COVID that that still has not been resolved. I'm still going to the grocery store and seeing empty shelves and products that I bought for years that are not available, that are not in stock. And so this with the economy struggling as it is would have really crippled the economy, a railroad strike. Now it's not completely resolved. It was just a temporary deal uh, that will just last a short period of time. Uh, but there, there, there seems to be a framework for a longer term deal. We will have to watch that very closely. And then we close it out this week. Uh, with this story, uh, Ohio teachers that go through, I believe it's about 24 hours of training, will now be allowed to carry guns in their classrooms. And I posted this on my Facebook and got a lot of positive uh, reaction to this. People said, yes, I mean, why not? Why should people not be allowed, uh, teachers not be allowed to have firearms if they're trained? And and how many lives could be saved at one of these mass shootings if just one teacher in an entire school was trained uh, with a firearm and knew how to confront a mass shooter, how many lives could be saved? This makes absolute common sense. And uh, I believe this will spread uh, nationwide, especially in the red states. There is absolutely no reason to not allow uh, employees in a school to be able to be armed if they have they know about keeping that firearm safe when they're not using it. 
They know how to use that firearm if there's an active shooter and they've been trained and they've gone through, you know, many hours of training. I think it's a wonderful idea. Most people on my Facebook agreed, but there are still those on the left that think, you know, this is going to, you know, a teacher's going to get upset and start shooting their students. I mean, what kind of insanity, uh, are, you know, are people thinking? I mean, that that's what would happen. Uh, but but this is one of the ways we can protect our kids. Uh, I think we need to have armed security at every school. But, uh, you know, other than the the resource officer, the police officer that it's that's at the front door of the school. I think having uh, some armed teachers makes a whole lot of sense. Hey, it is fantastic to be back. I hope you'll be able to listen in on Wednesday night, three in the morning. I'll be on with George Norrie. Looking really forward to that. I'm always able to reach a lot of people there. Uh, I'm making a, a, re, a, a renewed commitment to being back with you every week now with the show. Uh, I think the personal issues that I've been struggling with are behind me. I'm super excited to be back. I'm looking forward to being here with you each and every week. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thanks for joining me. So long, everybody.